Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Brian and Colonial, an Alabama podcast for Alabama people, part of the Armchair Media Network. I'm your host, Kevin Paul, as always. This week's guest is a familiar voice to you all. The last time you heard her, she was cursing the University of Tennessee for what they did to Jalen Waddle. Um, please welcome back to the show, Gabby DiCarlo. Gabby, how are you today? Good. How are you? I'm uh, uh, very excited to be here. It's, you know, I'm doing great. Um, we're, I don't think I had started my job yet by the last time we talked. Um, and yeah, definitely feeling the effects of a full workday and then recording a podcast right after. It's, you know, I'm loving it. It's great. Yeah, you know, the grind. I feel that too. Just had a full day of work and uh, very exciting. Got mm-hmm. to celebrate the first night of Hanukkah. Just made some fresh latkes. So it's going to be a good dinner tonight. I'm glad you talked. You mentioned latkes, Gabby. Um, for those listening, there's not much football to be talked about. I'm sure we all watched the LSU game. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Gabby, did you get a chance to watch it? You know, I watched some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really was mostly there for the Twitter um, content, really um, just crushing um, LSU's soul, um, really just payback. Um, I liked Coach O's um, little temper tantrum at the end. Um, I thought it was only fitting after last season's performance. So, you know. Yeah, it was um, – game-wise, you didn't miss much. I mean, we beat the hell out of them, obviously. But it, it really was one of the better nights in Alabama Twitter history. Um, and I, I really wish anyone that wasn't there could have been there for it. So we, we are not about to preview the Arkansas game. I, I think that could be possibly the most boring thing we could do. Um, but this is Brian and Colonial's first of hopefully many food-centered episodes. Um, as you know, If you follow Gabby on social media, you'll probably see and notice that she is uh, quite – gifted in the kitchen. Um, I, I try to do a little bit myself, but Gabby seems like she's on a different level than me. Uh, so Gabby, much like the first episode when I asked, you know, how did your Alabama fandom start? When did you first realize that you really enjoyed cooking? Oh, gosh. I would say probably back when I was a kid, um, always helping out in the kitchen. Um, that was my favorite. Um, I really got an introduction to the hospitality scene and restaurants and kind of more upscale cooking when I started working actually as a pantry chef, which if you don't know what that is, it's handling desserts and salads um, when I was 16. And that was short-lived because I realized it was a ton of work for a junior in high school. Um <laughs> So I ended up actually um, becoming a hostess at a different restaurant, and I really never left uh, the hospitality world until um, recently when I just transitioned out of hospitality PR. So one of the really big food um, moments for me, getting a little bit vulnerable and raw here, 
Um, had a lot of life events happen uh, around Thanksgiving of last year, and cooking was a really awesome way to not only nourish my body, but nourish my soul. Um, I'm a really hands-on person. Um, I really like to create things. And being able to start cooking was kind of like my me time. Even after a really busy day, I was able to just kind of meditate and think on things or play music and just cook. Um, It's also how I show my love for people. I um, will cook them food. Um, So if you ever get food from me, um, that's me saying I love you. Um, yeah. And so really started last fall. I'm really trying to get into the technique and all the different, um, types of cuisines, really expanding past the American and past French and more into, um, you know, Italian, a little bit of European, um, some Asian. So it's really been quite the journey, but it definitely truly got started, uh, last fall. Nice. Nice. Good to hear. Yeah. It's, um, Cooking's it's a it's a labor of love, um, but I think it was Gordon Ramsay said this, and it's just I mean it's a shock quote, but he said it's a labor of love, but it shouldn't be laborious. And um, I kind of agree with that for the most part. Sometimes, like yeah, especially if you're a big baker, uh, yeah, it actually is laborious. It's a ton of work. It's not it's not easy. It's not always fun, but it is great, to, especially when you prepare food for other people. It's great to just see the looks on their faces when they actually taste the food and it isn't terrible. That's always a good feeling for me. Yeah, it's so worth it. And that's the other funny part. So I definitely recognize the differences between someone that's a cook and a chef and Mm -hmm. um, a baker. And you can be both for sure. Um, A cook, I think, has a lot of intuitive feel for cooking. Kind of you don't always need a recipe, throwing spices in, you know how spices interact. Mm -hmm. Um, with other spices and different cuisines and the impact and culture behind that. Um, And bakers have that as well, but bakers, it's science. You really have to make sure you're getting all the ingredients right to create the perfect end result. So Mm -hmm. it's very analytical. And so I definitely find myself, um, I'm an ENFJ. So I find myself in more of the intuitive, thoughtful um, feelings category. Um, and I think a lot of that comes with just being able to stand over an open flame and just throw things in and make magic happen. <laughs> right. Well, what's the saying? Cooking is art, but baking is science. Exactly. Exactly. It's like if you accidentally put in an extra two, uh, tablespoons of, you know, cayenne pepper, like, yeah, it's going to affect your dish, but that's fine. Put in two extra tablespoons of baking powder, and it's going to absolutely ruin whatever you're trying to bake. Um, oh, so, God, a disaster. It'd be horrible. So, yeah, I, I'm glad you recognized that. Uh, Gabby, you you know grew up around you know the New York City metropolitan area, which, for my money, is probably, outside of Louisiana, the best area for food in the country. Um, obviously, the Tuscaloosa food scene does not match up to that. But let's say someone's listening now, and they're just – they're either a freshman just really trying to find their way in Teton or they're a senior getting ready to leave. What is the ideal food tour for you in Tuscaloosa? Oh my gosh. One of the things I miss the most about Tuscaloosa is the food. Seriously. I, my heart is in Tuscaloosa. I'm so sad I'm not there right now, but um, I would say I have a few different categories. Obviously I'm very passionate about this. So let me break it down. So my favorite barbecue, and this may be contested, mm-hmm. is actually Dreamland. I oh. highly recommend getting, I know, I highly recommend getting the barbecue baker with the rib tips in it. 
um, and then fried okra on the side. It is literally fire. It's okay. so good. It's like my comfort meal. And also you have to get the um, like the chocolate cream um, pudding. Yes. Dessert. Yes. Can confirm. That's elite. Yeah. And then what else? Okay. So for like a nicer restaurant, um, definitely a fan of Chuck's Fish. Also mm-hmm. fire. Um, I have never been to like the steakhouses. Um so I'll, I'll leave it at Chuck's Fish. Um, just all around good steaks, chicken, but then also the sushi is really good. Um, my favorite donut place is Babes. Um, Not much. Is there competition for Babes besides Krispy Kreme? Are there maybe, other donut places? No. Well, maybe. There might be. But I, I think love to this know is about like them. one of the best ones. <laughs> I think, well, I think they're competing with like smaller, they're competing with the coffee shops, I think, because they have the donuts, but you know, there's like Turbo and Monarch and they have those really like nifty, chic baked goods. Mm -hmm. But if you want like a greasy donut or like, I think they're collages, it's like that sausage wrapped in like, I'm from the North. I don't know anything about that, but those are really good. They have those at Babes. So for donuts, you have to go there. Right. Yeah. Um, I, uh, and I think, I'm oh, sorry. I think um, anything else, um, you have to go um, to Buffalo Phil's just um, to get their mozzarella sticks. I don't know why, but I'm a huge mozzarella stick fanatic and they have like the best appetizers. And that's, that's all. Yeah, Beefo's appet. I would go many a time just to order their appetizers as a, my actual meal. Um, Beefo's appetizers are. If anyone's listening to this, I mean, they'll know. I don't think anyone's listening to this podcast that doesn't know what Buffalo Phil's is. But it's exactly. their appetizer menu is equally as um, complex and diverse as their regular food menu, and I just I miss it so much. I really do. Their app game is unmatched. Going to Beatles on a Friday afternoon at like three o'clock or so and just ordering one of the 30 ounce beers for $2.50 or whatever they were going for and just getting an app on the side. And that's just your afternoon from three to six. And then just, God, man, I feel old after doing this, man. I don't. I know. (laughs) Well, but it's like, those are the simple pleasures in life. Like going after either a day of work sitting outside in Tuscaloosa, watching people get ready for game day on a Friday, drinking a cold beer, having some fried food, enjoying the sunshine with your friends. Like that is the University of Alabama, like right there. Yeah, God. people watching on Friday before a game day is probably one of my favorite activities. No matter where you are, if you're anywhere near the strip, uh, you know what I'm talking about, but just a, a great experience. So, Gabby, obviously you're you're very skilled in the kitchen, and you you have you know lots of background in preparing lots of different foods. Um, let's say tomorrow, and God, I sound like one of my least favorite podcasters when I say this, but tomorrow aliens invade the planet, and they come to your house and they say, "Cook us one meal, and if it's good, um, you know we'll leave your planet alone." Well, what is your go-to meal? I will be cooking them penne al vodka for sure. Okay. When did you first realize that that was just your ace in the hole? That you just knew you could do that if all else just like fell apart? 
I think I was just looking at pasta recipes. And when I first started cooking, I started with risotto because it's like you could throw anything in it and it was rice and it was so easy to make and you can do variations and that's what pasta is like. Um, and I try not to eat a ton of meat um, just because um, I don't always feel great after I eat meat. So just vegetarian life is kind of chill. Um, mm-hmm. And I realized what are some really flavorful but good um, meatless dishes. I started doing meatless Mondays, people that had been following me for a while. I did meatless Mondays a lot last year. Um, I really came across um, penne la vodka when I was looking for something that was like savory, but also sweet. So it's really good when you get a tomato sauce that has the sweetness of the tomatoes, but also um, the punch of like a tomato paste. And I really like tomato paste sauces. So it's really easy. Basically, you just do some scallions, some garlic. Um, I like red pepper flakes in mine. Throw that with some in there with some olive oil. Um, mm-hmm. Get the red pepper to bloom. Really get the spices going. Right. Um, throw in some red uh, tomato paste and really get that to be like brick brown. You really want it like dark. So it's kind of like caramelizing and it starts to cook a little bit in the olive oil. Then you deglaze with vodka. Throw um, some – I like to throw – um, like pureed tomatoes in there and then you can add a slot, uh, dash of cream and then um, just a handful of parm and toss it in some pasta sauce with As a professional welder Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over which helps her improve her skills The more muscle memory that you have the smoother your weld is Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Pasta water, and it's, like, so easy, but people think it's so complicated, and it's, like, it's just fire. Like, it's so simple, but mm-hmm. it's perfect. You're, you're Italian, right, Gabby? <laughs> yeah, DiCarlo. How could you tell? Right. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, got that from your last name, obviously, but also you just listed off probably, you know, 11 or 12 different steps, you know, in the cooking process, but like it was the back of your hand um, <laughs> and that you can do it from, obviously you can do it from memory. And that that's probably the most Italian thing you've ever uh, done in my presence, at least. Yeah, I would say culture wise, um, I'm such an interesting split between like Jewish and Italian, which like mm-hmm. are ironically very similar. Um, but that was one of the things I cooked a lot with my dad. I cooked, um, his grandfather's recipes. Um, his grandfather moved to the United States from a town, um, sort of center Italy kind of, um, parallel to Naples. Uh Um, and so we used to cook a lot of his recipes and I know those by heart and there's no measurements. Um, it's just kind of what you feel is right in your soul. (laughs) Um, so that's, that's the Italian way for sure. So that's how I like to cook. No, that's that's smart. I mean, I'm close to the same way. Obviously, just being from Louisiana, I 
I will never ever be the best cook in my family just because I've at my on my best day, I'm probably eighth or ninth. And that's probably being very generous to myself. But I just learned how to make uh, tomato sauce from just like watching The Godfather. Um, I think that that one scene <laughs> where they're making it and the guy's, hey, come over, let me teach you something. And it's completely pointless, but I guess they're teaching the audience how to make tomato sauce. But I took it to heart and it's just, yeah, it's an undefeated recipe. I've gotten good reviews um, from New York to Austin and nowhere in between, but. <laughs> <laughs> nowhere in between. Well, what are the ingredients? It's it's pretty simple. The guy, and again, just like you did earlier, he just lists off a bunch of ingredients and steps and just hope you can keep up. Um, obviously, you're going to start out and you're going to fry some garlic and some olive oil. I'm pretty sure 98% of dishes that I prepare start that way. Um, then you mix in your, and obviously there's a lot of other things too. I've added, you know, bell peppers and onions and even in some cases celery. Uh, but you're going to mix in your tomato paste and your tomatoes. Um, and then you're going to let that simmer for a while, probably anywhere between 20 to 30 minutes. Then you're going to mix in your meatballs and, you know, any other meats that you prepared earlier. And then you're going to throw those in. Uh, his secret ingredient, though, which I did not do at first, but I figured I learned later that this is absolutely necessary a splash of red wine, as much up to mm. a fourth of a cup, and a fourth of a cup of sugar, which was, you know, I was kind of skeptical on that, but you don't realize the first time you make tomato sauce, it is so acidic and it is just so salty based on all the seasonings you have in there and everything. There's so many tomatoes in there. You need just a little bit of sugar to balance it out a little bit. And it's obviously, no, I don't even look at a recipe anymore when I do it. I can almost eyeball it. But yeah, that's probably um, my proudest moment, being able to make tomato sauce from scratch from watching a movie a bunch of times. That's literally sick. I've never done that. I feel like that'd be really fun. Um, actually, someone on YouTube does that. I don't know if you've ever heard of Binging Babish. Yes. Um, he hashtag not sponsored. Um, he makes um, YouTube videos and he will pull clips out of TV shows and mm -hmm. make um, the item. So like one of my favorites is he, um, I love the show 30 rock and he made mm -hmm. um, cheesy blasters from 30 rock. And he, no. he, yeah, he makes it according to like if their ingredients are a recipe in the show, but he will then do it better, like how it's supposed to be, like with good ingredients or make some things homemade. And it's actually so interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe I'll have to start doing that. Maybe as we're headed back into quarantine a little bit, um, maybe that'll be my new winter activity. <laughs> Honestly, that's you could do far worse things than that. I um, I'm obviously was raised on television as someone born in 1994. Uh, so, you know, anything that I can see on TV, like I'm pretty sure a Sopranos episode helped me with my tomato sauce recipe. I think it was a trick that Ralphie did or something like that, which by the way, if anyone's listening and wants to give me a Christmas gift, the Sopranos family cookbook, um, is absolutely on my list this year. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I've heard of binging with Babish. I've never actually sat down and watched a bunch of his videos though, but I probably need to do that soon. As you said, as we're going back into more so of a lockdown these next few months. So, yeah, it, it'll be a good activity, definitely. So, Gabby, obviously, you know, this is still an Alabama, you know, show. I need to know, what what does your ideal food spread look like on a game day? 
where you're out and about, you're walking around a ton, you've probably got wedges or some type of elevated shoe on. It's You're going to be on your feet all day long. What's your food spread look like on an ideal game day? All right. So here we go. Passionate about the food. We got to make sure we have the right snacks. Obviously, a lot of things are going to be happening during the day. Might get a little bit tricky to wear your elevated shoes, probably around the middle of the day if it's a night game. So you got to make sure you're refueling properly. So I'd say in my ideal situation, I'm bopping around the quad. I roll up on my friends whose parents just happened to get a tent on the quad. And they have Dreamland catering with Beatles catering. And let me tell you what's going to happen here. Mm. There's going to be Dreamland wings. There's going to be Dreamland ribs. There's going to be mac and cheese. There's going to be fried okra. And there's going to be their barbecue sauce. And from Beatles, there's going to be also more wings because got to have the buffalo wings. Blue cheese, not ranch. Carrots and celery, mozzarella sticks, curly fries with ranch, and regular fries. That's the layout. That sounds like an incredible spread, Jesus. Um, you know, and coincidentally, I'm sure, you know, the exact thing you'd kind of need to soak up a lot of alcohol. Not that we'd ever drink on the game day. Um, but Never. But if you were someone that did that, that sounds like a pretty good spread to, you know, kind of help curb those effects a little. Oh, for sure. For sure. Oh, man. All right. Gabby, I, I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, you know, th this has been great. Obviously, as someone of Jewish and Italian descent, what what are you, and obviously I did not grow up in a Jewish household, what are you preparing this week um, over the next eight days for Hanukkah? Um, so I did latkes tonight. Um I'm probably going to this weekend when I have more energy do sufgan yot, which is more commonly known as a jelly donut. Mm -hmm. um, but they're basically just fried dough stuffed with any kind of jam or jelly you want and a little powdered sugar on top. Um, and that's something to represent the sweetness. Um, a lot of Jewish holidays are representative of struggle um, or reflection and um, Jewish people like to have a little bit of sweetness um, with their serious holidays. So I'm probably going to be making that, probably going to be making latkes another time. Um, maybe I'll mix up the recipe. Um, and I might be having a little bit of wine just to top it off. Why not? What's your favorite? Okay, we, this is a food episode. We can pivot into this a little bit. Uh, you know, What's your favorite wine to drink? Are you a wine snob? Or are you just kind of like whatever's nearby? What's your kind of wine routine? If there even mm. is one. I am not much of a drinker, to be honest. However, um, I – this is so funny. I, in college, found out that I had kind of an intolerance slash small allergy to wine um, mm. and to cider. Um, so I thought at first it was fruits. Um, and then I started drinking more wine to try and like get rid of it. And so now I'm okay. Um, I'm still act very much allergic to like Prosecco and champagne sparkling wines, which is really sad. It was really sad when I graduated. Um, actually, I took a swig of the champagne I used for um, 
taking photos and I'm glad I took all my photos because I started getting like a little bit of hives and a little bit of like red and purple discoloration. And I was like, well, I deserve that. I knew it was wrong and I did it anyways. Um, but I'm usually a white girl. Um, LOL. Um, I like more dry. I like um, Rieslings. I really like Sancerre's. Um, But I mean, any white, as long as it's not super sweet, I'm good with. Good to know. Good to know. I, I think I'm more of a cab salve guy at the end of the day. And I know that's pretty basic, but I just, I just enjoy a nice red. I don't know. I think that's come with old age. I used to be really a Pinot Grigio guy when I was younger and a little bit wilder. But, you know, as I, you know, prepare for retirement at the ripe old age of 26, um, I've, I've just settled into my cab salve groove. Yeah, that's maturity. That's retirement. That, that that's called growing up kids. If you're listening to this, all right, all right. We're gonna end this with a, a brief, brief football talk, Gabby. We do play Arkansas this weekend, and I do ask every single guest, uh, "What is your game prediction?" Hmm. I didn't horribly out guess last time. Um, I'm gonna say. Um, we're going to win if the score is going to be 63 us 12 them okay so 63 to 12 oh god you're predicting a massacre yeah geez <laughs> it's arkansas come on come on it's that's a good point it is arkansas F- folks uh this was gabby to carlo it's always a pleasure to have you on um, follow her on Twitter at Gabrielle DeCarl. Follow her food Instagram at Gibby Eats the World. Um, you will learn a lot, I promise you. Um, we appreciate you listening as always, and we'll see you again next week for Brian and Colonial. See you. <laughs>